This episode is brought to you by FastBitcoins.com. FastBitcoins.com allows you to buy Bitcoin easily and safely in physical locations in the UK, Canada, and Estonia, and they're expanding quickly. They are the world's first cash-to-lightning exchange, delivering your Bitcoins right over the Lightning Network. They also have integrations with Samurai Wallet and Breeze Lightning Wallet, and more coming soon. Fast Bitcoins offers users the ability to stack sats without giving up too much personal information, and the business never holds customers' Bitcoins. Find Fast Bitcoins vouchers on BitRefill and physical point-of-sale retail outlets in a growing number of places. Check out the FastBitcoins.com interactive map to find the location nearest you. Hello, Bitcoiners. My name is Ansel Lindner, and this is Bitcoin and Markets. On this show, we honestly explore Bitcoin to the best of our ability. We take a look at stats, metrics, the tech, and the economics behind it all. My goal is to stay ahead of the curve and to take you along with me. Thanks for joining me. Let's go. Hello, Bitcoiners. Welcome back to the show. How are you guys doing on this fabulous Friday? Hope you are all well. What a great week in Bitcoin. What a great week. Jeez. I mean, we've had congressmen saying on live TV, uh, calling altcoins shit coins and we've had other congressmen saying that bitcoin is an unstoppable force that can't be killed it was a great week for bitcoin even though the price did slump and we hit lower lows that was expected if you're a listener to the show that was expected even lower lows from this point are still expected if you're a listener of this show it's not like it's coming out of the blue and biting you on the ass. But we'll talk about the Libra Calibra stuff. Uh, we'll talk about the Congress testimony. Uh, this Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, he came out and had, you know, had a felt it necessary to have an, a complete briefing just on cryptocurrencies, quote unquote cryptocurrencies, where he talked about Bitcoin and Libra. So that was hugely bullish in my mind, uh, long term at least but not short term. And I did a quote I did a live stream for my patrons uh the other day where I reacted to Mnuchin's speech. I played some clips and talked about him. The uh edited down audio version of that is also available for patrons. So if you guys want to get a hold of that, you're going to have to go over to patreon.com/bitcoinandmarkets. So that was it was an exciting week for that uh, in that regard, we also had some excitement in the week in a macro situation. So we'll touch on some of that. And of course, altcoin blood. <clears throat> if you've been listening to the show, again, you have been prepared for the altcoins to crash. I mean, most of them are at all-time lows with no end in sight, like continuing down. So we'll we'll discuss that slightly here too today. All right, guys, let's get into the eToro price talk. eToro is the world's leading social trading platform. You can interact with other traders, follow successful traders, get followed yourself. You can even start with a free demo account. Use my link in the show notes. Price on Bitstamp right now is 10,443. 10,443, slightly lower than last week, but again, we did hit lower lows all the way down to 9,049 on Bitstamp. I don't think this is the bottom still. All right. Now, during the whole run up, I said if we cross 10,000 uh, on the way up, I thought we were in 
for a 50% correction. That 50% correction would be down to roughly 8,500. And a lot of people, you know, every day when, when you are, I'm not a bear on Bitcoin. I am a short term bear, right? And in the live stream, I actually stepped through with the patrons what I saw on the charts and what I was expecting. Of course, you never short Bitcoin. Shorting Bitcoin is an easy way to get wrecked, but you can set your bids a little lower. You can DCA on big down days. So if there is a 10% pullback in the price, that's where you would DCA. I mean, it's just a thought. Of course, if you have your DCA set up where you are buying, you know, $100 on the first of every month, continue doing that. Uh, that is the most foolproof way to benefit from this. Um, but if you're into it and you're watching the charts anyway, you know, there is a possibility that you can uh, pick some better entries. But that's if you believe in technical analysis, which a lot of people don't for some reason. Anyway, okay, so yeah, price is continuing down. We still have lower highs. So that means that th there is no like fundamental break in this, this bearish movement, this bearish structure lower. Um, if we do cross into the 11,000 range, which is possible, uh, we would be simply repeating an earlier pattern from the end of June. So I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't even say that is particularly bullish. I mean, we're still in this consolidation bearish uh majority bearish uh, sentiment here it could turn out that this candle this largest hourly candle that we've had in the whole run uh i think it's for like six months the largest hourly move in bitcoin um, it, that could have been a stop hunt and we could be continuing lower quickly if we do break up up to eleven thousand. You know, this whole bear market, mini bear market might uh, continue on for uh, a little while longer. But overall, I don't see fresh highs this coming week. Uh, I don't see fresh highs for probably the next month. And that's fine. That's fine, right? That gives you more time to DCA. On During these times like this where we have flat price movement, that gives you a great opportunity to buy on down days, Okay. Great opportunity. The overall movement of this price over the next two, three years is going to be much higher, right? So that gives you an advantage when you're either trading or DCAing into Bitcoin. Uh, any sort of large pullback in price is a great opportunity to buy. That's all I have for price. Let's go on to mining. Okay, so two weeks ago, we had this large increase in the difficulty up 14.23%. Right now, the next estimated adjustment is at 1.8%. And that's going to happen in about four days time. Uh, it, I think it's safe to say at this point that the, uh, this exponential move that we had over the last few months is priced into the hash rate. Uh, so, uh, you know, like I've said before, the hash rate takes out a lot of the noise of the price and the hash rate is also signaling a plateau, if you will, a consolidation in price. So that makes me think that this is, you know, all fine and dandy. I want to bring in here as well the, uh, I add this on the fundamentals report, which if you guys 
aren't signed up for that, go to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash report. You can sign up for the report there. Um, I include this, this, uh, the Google trends chart this week and it's, it, it is showing a slight pickup. I mean, the average is a little bit higher for like daily searches for the term Bitcoin, but overall, it's not showing any sort of exponential increase like we saw in the price. So uh, you could draw some parallels between, say, 2016, 2000, early 2017, at the beginning of the last big bubble to today. But I don't really think that's that's uh, a good comparison. So the Google Trends is not supporting this. Now, there is an argument, right, that the marginal investor this time is not going to be having a lot of searches like for example if you are dealing with a lot of um, lower income people that are just putting a little bit in to bitcoin or they're just looking at it and they can only afford maybe um, twenty dollars a month to put into quote-unquote crypto into bitcoin then there might be a lot more of those people right where Today, the marginal investor are multimillionaires. They're looking to diversify one, two, three percent of their entire net worth into Bitcoin. So uh, they are going to either search for Bitcoin less or there's just less of those people. This could lose a little bit of its uh, validity here as uh, predicting the price. But all in all, Google Trends is flat. Mining is looking flat. The price is looking flat. So, uh, like I said, I'm pretty confident in saying we're not going to see new highs in the next week. And we'll probably see a little bit lower lows. All right, altcoins. So, Ethereum is the bellwether of the altcoins. Ethereum, is, you know, as, the, as Ethereum goes, so do the rest of the altcoins. Many, many altcoins uh, are tokens on top of Ethereum. And they did that for several reasons, right? When Ethereum came out and it pumped to 50, I think the high was $80 billion market cap, roughly. Um, that's a lot of new money, right? That's a lot of new money. And these, these investors didn't have the same sort of uh, ideology or uh, thought process that Bitcoiners had. Bitcoiners were hodlers, right? Ethereum folks didn't have that ideology. And so they reinvested those gains into their tokens. Now, this does two things. Um, Ethereum, I believe, is generally a Ponzi. And to stop the Ponzi from popping so quickly, these ICOs came out, the tokens came out, people reinvested that Ethereum. So instead of selling it on the market, what they did was they gave it to other people that would hold it longer term. So some sort of large ICO or large you know, raise of Ethereum for a token, those people are usually holding on to it. Now, I've also heard that they do have trading desks for these large ICOs. Like say, let's say some ICO raised a hundred million dollars worth of Ethereum. It would benefit them to actively trade it. Most, I, I think so. So, uh, that's probably was in their plan. So they did, there would be some selling, but on the whole, uh, the Ethereum that was reinvested is two stronger hands than to the original investors. So 
that's just something interesting to think about. Now, when that unravels, right, when that unwinds, it's good, it's a lot faster. There's nothing there to reinvest your token into. Um, I don't know. I come up with some auger. Okay. Let's say auger. So you invested your Ethereum, your Ethereum into auger and now you have these uh, auger tokens and like you're not going to reinvest your auger tokens, right? So that, that Ponzi on top of a Ponzi stops after one layer. But once this unwinds, it's going to go quickly. It's going to go very quickly. It's already gone very quickly. I remember just, what was it, two weeks ago where I was watching that level at 0.025, the Ethereum price versus Bitcoin, and saying, if this breaks, it's going to move quickly to the downside. Of course, it broke, and it moved another 20%. All the way down to 0.02. Move very quickly. And I don't think it's over. So the, the altcoins could rally here. They could. But there's not going to be an altcoin season. They might get half of their losses back before they lose another 90% against Bitcoin. My theory has been for a long time, probably two or three years that that bubble in the altcoins was unique. We are never going to see that again. Now, if there is a different type of bubble, uh, we will see a different type of bubble in this broader Bitcoin ecosystem. That is going to happen. And maybe they will be like, um, there will be altcoins involved in that new bubble. But it's not going to be like it was. It's just like, um, you know, they had the uh, multiple, multiple bubbles throughout history. And every bubble is slightly different. Now, so the next bubble is going to be different. It is not going to be just straight up wild speculation, wild west speculation in ICOs and altcoins. It's going to be very pinpointed. So we might have a bubble, say, in exchange tokens like BNB or Leo, something like that, or stable coins. For some reason, I don't know why people would buy stable coins as a speculation. But, you know, there might be bubbles that are very pinpointed and related to the initial altcoin bubble, but it's not the same. There is not going to be another altcoin bubble. Okay, enough of that. Let's get on to the news here with Libra Calibra. So again, I did do a live stream for my patrons where I reacted to this Mnuchin um, briefing that he had the other day on Bitcoin and everything. And the bottom line there was um, it was the same old no-coiner talking points, right? That Bitcoin is used for illicit activity, uh, laundering money, doing buying and selling drugs, uh, and with no hint of irony about uh, that the dollar is used for the exact same thing. Anyway, then he said Bitcoin and uh, Libra, the Bitcoin businesses and Libra are going to have to follow the exact same rules as everybody else. Again, no news. That is, that's not news to us. We already knew that. But what is news is that the Treasury Secretary is saying this. And he felt it necessary to say this on live TV in a big press conference. And then there's one line that I thought was very, very telling. And he said that 
Bitcoin is a threat to national security. I think the line was uh, Bitcoin and Libra, but they know that Bitcoin is a threat to national security. So uh, pretty big stuff. All right. And then moving on, we have uh, had the uh, guy from Libra. I don't know what his name was. I, I really didn't watch a ton of it. I watched some of the highlights of this uh, guy's testimony in front of Congress. And there was other people that testified too. So I I did see the uh, Meltdem Demir's testimony there. But it was interesting. And of course, it looked like they were really grilling Facebook. Grilling Facebook. They don't want this to come out. This is bad. Blah, 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 blah. But I, I just, I can't get out of my mind that Facebook is a branch of the United States government. So they're really just like, it's very similar to, say, interviewing a representative of the CIA or interviewing a representative of the NSA or uh, something like that, because Facebook is a branch, is a agency of the United States government. Nothing new said. We knew everything that was going to be said. It was just, oh my God, they're saying it. There was a surprise where some one of the congressmen said the term shitcoin and was talking to melt them about shitcoins and everything. She did a good job handling herself. I think they're as expected, but now the term shitcoin is on the record of the United States government. So it was, it was pretty cool. All right. Pretty cool. Good long-term bullish for Bitcoin, but short-term bearish. And let me clarify what I mean by that. So the price is set on the margin, all right? That means that the marginal buyer and the marginal seller, that's where the price is set. And right now, that is set by more high net worth individuals, in my opinion. We have a lot of demand from institutional investors and things of that nature. Now, if uh, now first Powell, then Trump, then Mnuchin, then Congress come out and say, we're going to crack down on this. We're going to crack down on cryptocurrency. And maybe these investors aren't Bitcoin maximalists. You know, they're noobs coming in here. Then they can be fudded out by that. That increases their uncertainty. It increases the overall uncertainty in the marketplace for a short period of time. And there will be less demand. Less demand at this moment in time means that whales can make more money pushing the price down. If there's less like... A speculative, speculative demand coming in because an increase in uncertainty means the whales can manipulate the price down. That's how they make money in these, these, these markets. So that is why I think this price is going to continue going down. There, it's easier to force the price down. Right? If these whales are manipulating the price and a ton of people that you ask are saying that these price, these markets are manipulated. Look at Tether. It's manipulated. Well, it's true. All markets are manipulated by the big players. That's a, that they're big players because they were good at what they did and they got rich. Hopefully that's not in the case, I guess, of uh, crony capitalism, but you know, that's, that's the idea that if you're richer, you got that way because you provided more value and you earned more of a say in the economy, if you will. So yeah, of course, every market is manipulated by the big players. That's nothing new. And that's good. That's the proper way for it to be, in my opinion. 
but what what we're looking at right now is that if there's less demand, these whales are going to look and say, okay, if we're going to make this size of bet, is it easier to make money on this volatility by going down or up? Well, probably down right right now. So they're going to be selling and manipulating the market down and making that money. And then, of course, they'll buy it up. They'll push it back up. They'll squeeze some shorts. They'll wreck everybody that's not in the proper mindset. And I think that's what's happening now. All right, that was Libra, Calibra, and the Congress stuff. Let's talk about Iran. So just yesterday or overnight, we heard of the U.S. shooting down a drone, an Iranian drone. And so the first thing I did was I went and checked the oil price. Because remember, all of this, uh, all this drama with Iran, they're not going to go to war with Iran. They might do surgical strikes, but really, they wouldn't be televising this and they wouldn't be like slowly stepping into this. They would have done it two or three weeks ago, two months ago, whatever. And it wouldn't be broadcast, uh, beforehand like this. So I don't think we're going to war. I don't think the United States government is going to war with Iran anytime soon. It's just going to be more and more talk because they want to push the price of oil up. I mean, if thing, if shit really hits the fan, yes, maybe they will uh, have this surgical strike. Maybe things will increase. But the U.S. cannot win a war with Iran. So why would they even start it? I remember uh, back, let's see, when was this? This was... Not too long ago, the United States had a war game with Iran. I would say maybe 10 years ago, something like that, in the Persian Gulf. And within 48 hours, most of the United States fleet was sent to the bottom of the Persian Gulf in this exercise. I mean, notionally, right, uh, as part of the exercise. What what happened there? Well, the U.S. said, time out. We need to reset and they changed the rules so they would win. But the point is, the Iranians beat the Americans in this war game. The U.S. knows they can't win a war with Iran. They can't win it. Um, Iran, they would win a war with Iran if Iran was invading the United States. Yes. But if uh, the United States is invading Iran, they can't win it. So they're not going to start it. Anyway, uh, so the oil price was going down. It topped out, I think, about $63 just last week, and it started following, falling precipitously over this week. And so what happens? They shoot down an Iranian drone. And now the, the Iranians came out and said, this isn't even our drone, that they think the U.S. shot down their own drone and made it, and said it was our drone, which I wouldn't put it past the Americans to do that. So anyway... That is happening also with Iran is this, uh, EU Iranian swift replacement. So one part of the sanctions here, uh, Iran is under these, uh, act of war, these sanctions, uh, it's a siege of Iran, really what the, what the Americans are doing. And to get around that, uh, what the Europeans have done is they've set up this swift alternative so that they can still trade because the sanctions say you cannot, uh, do uh, financial transactions with Iran, all right? Well, what the Europeans have done now is they've set up, kind of call it an order matching, um, do, two-sided order matching system where European exporters will 
go into this system or put their uh, order into this system and they will match European importers. So they actually are paying each other on one side. The European importers and exporters are paying each other. And then on the side of Iran, they, the importers and exporters are paying each other on that side as well. So it's kind of like an order matching, a dual-sided order matching uh, system here. And they're getting around the U.S. siege of Iran. It's interesting. So a lot of things are happening here uh, in this part of the world specifically. It's heating up again, and we'll see what happens over the next couple days. But in the meantime, I mean, right now, the big news over the next couple weeks is going to be the Fed rate cuts. Is the Fed going to cut rates? We don't know. It's priced in that they will. It's a 100% chance, by the, according to the market, that the United States is going to cut rates. I don't. I don't think it's that high. Um, the beige book came out this week for the Fed where they talk, you know, they uh, talk about all their findings and stuff. This was mid-May through early July. It's like a six-week period, something like that. Um, and everything was positive in there. There was a couple little comments that were negative. But if the Fed is data-driven, like they've been driving into our heads for years and years now that the Fed is data-driven, it's reactionary, and you read that beige book – there's no way that you would think they would be cutting rates. It's it's ridiculous. Now, if they don't cut rates, stocks are going to crash. Bonds are going to spike in yields. Bond yields are going to spike. So they're between a rock and a hard place. They have to act, else they think there will be bad repercussions. They're in this place. They've talked themselves into a corner where they have to hike. But Powell... At the very last meeting in June, you know, he signals that, or he signaled that he's not going to be bossed around. So we'll see. It would shock the world if they did not cut rates. And I think that's a possibility. I give that actually probably like a 40% chance that they do not cut rates and nobody else has given them that chance. No, the market is pricing it in 100%. There's actually, it's like, 40% that they'll cut 50 basis points. Most people are saying that it's going to be a big cut. I think there's a 40% chance that they don't cut. And what will happen to the dollar? Traditional thinking would tell you the dollar will climb. Because, you know, it's more hawkish policy. Hawkish policy is supposed to cause currencies to appreciate no 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 (laughs) no right now it's going to signal that the u.s economy is going to slow down in the future and people don't want to hold the u.s dollar people are going to sell the u.s dollar and the price is going to or the value is going to inflate it's going to depreciate Anyway, all right, that's all I have for that today, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. Thank you to my sponsors, Fast Bitcoins and eToro. Thank you to my uh, members over there on Patreon. So you go to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and Markets. If you like to support the show non-monetarily or just make a one-time donation, bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash support. Sign up for the report. See you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>